Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Stu. And this is Bad Screenplays. We've been writing screenplays for years, but couldn't get anyone to read them. On each episode, I read an unsolicited script. And I read one. We pull them apart and decide if they're any good, but mostly try and have fun with them. Maybe these screenplays will attract attention or get greenlit by First Draft Productions, our own fictional production company. Hello, Stu. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? I've had a COVID test. A test? Yeah, I had to get a COVID test. Wow. Just How'd co- you get on? Just cough. Um, I'm negative. No virus detected? No virus detected. I know it's like, I just realised for you, you're having like three or four a week. <laughs> it's, it's gone so, down to, to one a week now, but it's still an, enough. Like. It's a novelty for me though, yeah. So I, to, I just got this, I had this cough on, like, so I thought, oh no, better, better get a test done, but... You're super aware of it, like even though that now I've got like a negative COVID result, and I can mm. go to the shops to get food and things. You every now and again you're like, <clears throat> and this looks. Yeah, you're not just going to the shop thinking I've definitely not got COVID, so I can just go to the shops and just like lick everything and cough on people's faces yeah. and stuff. <laughs> I'm just waiting for someone to get like approach me and I'll be like, oh no, look, I've got an, it. Says negative. It says negative. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I actually had um, had my first vaccine on Saturday. Hey, which was uh, nice. The one thing I wasn't expecting, nice from the vaccine, was um, the most horrific flu I've had in probably about ten years. No, it was awful. I've heard this from a couple of people. Yeah, it was you had bad. the Oxford jab. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's the same. I've heard the same thing. Someone had the Oxford jab and they got dog sick for a few days. There's a bad jab and a good jab, and I had the bad jab. Bad jab. 
Bad, bad job. <laughs> you want to get that AstraZeneca, lad? <laughs> I definitely wanted the Pfizer one. Fucking hell. Oh, yeah, Pfizer. Yeah, that's it. I'm extremely grateful, but oh my God, I had to take, take a day off work because I was that sick. Really? Yeah, man. And apparently, the article I read, I think it was in The Atlantic, they said that the second jab is worse. Oh, good. Can't so, wait. that's awesome. I might just just coast along on 75% back It'll be good, yeah. <laughs> just, just stick with that one. Yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Mate. Right. Have you watched anything or listened to anything good recently? I have. Um, so... On on your recommendation, I gave the US office another try. Okay. And I am deep into it. So oh, th- shit. thanks no for way. that. Yeah, and also I just I just didn't watch seasons one or two. I went straight to started at three. And um and it's it's great. You get these a lot of it is sort of this predictable, obvious punchline driven comedy, mm. which you don't really have to think much. But then there's these like moments, these laugh out loud, like cringe moments that like either Steve Carell or Ricky Gervais or Steve Merchant wrote. And it's just, it's, it's so good. No way. No way. I I should, should, uh, I should jump right into that. I think I've been watching like something very similar. Actually, you sent me a picture of two of the biggest stakes I've ever seen in my life <laughs> recently. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Like yeah. proper um, Flintstone style right. stakes. And um, followed by a picture of Ron Swanson. <laughs> Mulligans. <laughs> in Mulligans <laughs> doing that pose. And then um, I went on Netflix recently and they've dumped entire Parks and Rec on Netflix. And I was like, oh man, I could Do probably it. just jump into that again yeah um, it's great, so i've just it? been like scattergunning you know episodes just like because i've seen it all anyway yeah but i've just been jumping back in and i'm again I'm, I'm deep into it like he's going through his photo book of him with you know uh, uh, uh mulligans it's like the steak ribeye medium because <laughs> the drink lafroig the woman <laughs> Lafroig. next to me a bitch my ex-wife tammy <laughs> Because look at me, I'm just a boy. It's like him. He just looks the same as every other photo. Yeah. I Uh, forgot how funny um, Aubrey Plaza was. She's fucking so good, isn't she? Oh, so good. There's an an episode um, where Aziz Ansari's character's like doing a presentation and he's got um, Aubrey Plaza, I forget what a character's called, and Chris Pratt sat down and goes, okay, I'm about to do this presentation. Now, tell me exactly what you think. Be brutal. And she just goes, you're short. Yeah, just tears them apart. <laughs> Before he uh, even starts. And I was like, oh, this is great. Watch her on uh, on Conan doing an interview. She's oh, yeah. crazier than a bag of frogs. Oh, really? It's great. That's good. That's not disappointing then, because yeah. you want it to be a little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, I also watched um, General Commander. The 2020 Steven Seagal release on Amazon Prime Video. 2020? Oh, no. Oh, no. It's got like a Ray Winston character whose eyes are too close together. <laughs> Seagal. Oh, what's it called? What's it called? Gen- Gen- General Commander. Oh, it's man, about man. a team of crack CIA off- uh, operatives who are targeting like live organ theft in asia okay yeah <laughs> it's just it's as good such as a it common sounds. things oh god what, what is up with that uh, that goatee 
Oh my god. Oh god, I've got I've got Ray Winston. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like um, a character creator on like whatever game Fallout or something. And he then you just you just drag the eyes in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Man. it's great, it's great. There's all kinds of characters in it. Is Stone Cold? Is Stone Cold Steve Austin in there? No, is he? There's an image where it looks like Stone Cold's in it. I think he was in something. He, no, uh, he was in that one. Um, I think he was in that like sniper special ops, wasn't he? I mean, when... you see a wrestling or a film, you know, it's going to be a stinking pile of shit. Yeah, don't you? yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so bad. Like I, I reckon certain wrestlers, like 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 John Cena, probably gets quite a lot of bums on seats because of how many how many people like want to go and see John Cena. But the couple of films I've seen him and it's like, oh man. You could literally paint a face on a plank of wood and get more like emotion th- out of it. Yeah, I thought in um, uh, Trainwreck with Schumer, he was he was very funny because he had a small part and they'd written great lines for him and everything, and it was great. But then like a leading role for him, eh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I agree. It 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 didn't. I'll have to check him out in Trainwreck. Maybe I've got him wrong actually. Oh no, he's only he's like Amy Schumer's um, boyfriend at the time. Um, they've got some funny lines for him. Yeah, he'll probably find it funny. Maybe they've just known how to use him. It's yeah. like um, it's like you know Arnold Schwarzenegger's um, highest grossing film, and is widely regarded his best role was Terminator Two. Because that I look at that and go, that's a fantastic performance. That film, I think that was the pinnacle of his career as well. I don't think he ever reached those heights. And you go like, I, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is quite limited but a good actor but then you go well, no, wait a minute he's playing a robot <laughs> that's why he was so good because <laughs> yeah. he's playing a robot I think yeah, he, he's playing he, a robot <laughs> he, he, he sends himself up a bit doesn't he you know as it gets further on like in Jingle All The Way and stuff like that but um, yeah um, yeah so apart from that no doing a bit of TV had me COVID test um, spring is spring is here now so enjoying a bit of warmer weather oh that's, yeah definitely bit, a bit, bit of sun on your face right not brighten your mood a bit. Yes. Now, speaking of brightening moods, speaking of sun on your face, um, <laughs> I've sent you a script. You certainly have, by the and, name of. Go on, Steven Seagal in Sea Level Threat. I actually could see him in a film called Sea Level Threat. Yeah. It's it's that it's vague enough a title. That film you mentioned to me before, I've already forgotten what it's called. It was that memorable. As you as the credits were rolling on General Commander, General I, Commander. I did think that if you could cobble together that kind of CIA X special that kind of script, he'd probably make it into a film. If oh, you yeah. if you cast him as like the the hero doesn't have to stand up. Um, <laughs> keeps the sunglasses on the whole time. Do you and think he's got a stand-in, like a sit-down stand-in <laughs> for the back of his head? He's just a stand-in that doesn't stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so yeah, sea level threat could uh, could be commissioned by Steven Seagal's production company. Yeah, they must just send them scripts like this, mustn't they? Yeah. Anyway, let's find out if it's worthy of um, Steven Seagal. Yep. Fade in. Internal submarine bedroom morning. The bedroom on the submarine? Sure. It's the, the submarine bedroom, yeah. Cora 
A woman wearing a navy uniform wakes up in a messy cot. A cot? She's not an adult baby, is she? <laughs> is that what you call a bed on a, on a boat, a cot? Yeah, it must be. Okay, let's take the writer's word for it. Mm. She looks around a bit, takes a deep breath, and stands up from it. The room is very small, with the cot taking up most of the space. <laughs> Toys and that. <laughs> <laughs> Change your mat. She goes to the mirror, takes a small bit of, of bottled water, a bottle of milk. She pours it on her hands, seeps through her fingers. She takes the rest of it and wipes it on her unrested face. Unrested? Oh, it's water, it's not milk. It's not milk. It's not milk. It's definitely not milk. Internal submarine hallway continuous. Cora walks through the tiny submarine hallways. Internal submarine main area continuous. She went to the food rations and started to cook. Mm. Mm. She heats the rations up, but as she takes it out, she burns her hand on the food. Cora lets out a slight jump and drops all of the unprotected rations on the floor. Unprotected. She sits down on the chair and puts hands puts her hands on her face, crying. <laughs> Atlas. Yes. Atlas. A man wearing a navy uniform walks up from another room. He has an unshaven face. <laughs> this man's name is Atlas. Atlas. There you go. Um, me and Stu have got a, a mutual friend um, who, who might just be the funniest person I know. Mm. Genuinely hilarious person. He's funny when he's trying to be and he's funny when he's not trying to be. Um, and he thought that the god is it Greek god or <laughs> Atlas <laughs> name was Charles Atlas <laughs> so he thought there was a god <laughs> called Charles Charlie Atlas Charlie Atlas <laughs> you know like Dan Zeus or like freaking Damien Hades or whatever <laughs> oh that's brilliant John Thor <laughs> John actually Thor? John Thor no <laughs> way <laughs> no way oh maybe he's right <laughs> Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that until it came out. Oh, dear. Ian Thor. Ian Thor, yeah. Right. So, Charles Atlas. Um, Atlas, he needs to have have a a big, serious voice, doesn't he? Yeah. Hey, what happened? (laughs) She looks at him, still upset. Cora, crying. I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry. I I was just trying to prepare food for us. Atlas. Hey. Hey. <laughs> he leans over towards her, wraps an arm around her. Atlas. It's okay. No, it's not. It's not Charles. <laughs> no, no, it's not. Cora, upset. No, we're already low on food and can't afford to get sick by eating this. Atlas sighs. He then takes a mop and cleans up the food mess. There. Open. Just spreads it around the kitchen floor. <laughs> <laughs> Just brushing chicken around the floor. Yeah. Cora sniffs, calming down. Cora, sincere. Atlas, what are we going to do? External, submarine continuous. The submarine has crashed at the bottom of the ocean, alone. Ooh. Okay, so they're stranded at the bottom of the ocean. Atlas, voiceover. I don't know, Cora. That's not a voiceover. No, I know. Hmm. 
Cora is still uneasy. I would be as well. Locked on a submarine with Charles Atlas. I know. <laughs> Who seems a bit controlling. Is there... Is See how pass- scared she got when he came in and he was going to see the mess. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's passive-aggressive it's Atlas. okay. Atlas-aggressive. Um, <laughs> Atlas continued. But it'll be okay. We'll meet back up with the rest of our Navy squad. I promise. <laughs> Cora nods. An ominous sound rumbles in the back of the submarine. They look at each other, worried, as Atlas grabs a loaded pistol and starts to creep towards the sound. A pistol? A On pistol? a submarine? On a submarine. <laughs> okay. I imagine this guy's about seven and a half feet tall as well. He's like <laughs> massive shoulders and he's like creeping towards the sound. With a name like Atlas. With a name. He's not going to be a little skinny guy, is he? No. He's not going to be another Kip, is he? Internal engine room continues. Atlas opens the door as Cora follows behind. They look around, confused. Must be a squeaky pipe. (laughs) Then a giant crash occurs in the main area. Cora panting. Okay, what was that? (laughs) Atlas. What the? He continues back to the main area with Cora following. Internal main area continuous. The room is normal. <laughs> the normal room. It's a normal room on a submarine. <laughs> Except for a small scratch on the main window. Oh. Atlas goes up to it. The windows? The window in the submarine? What, what are they called? Portholes? Or did he just not have windows at all? Got, no, they haven't got windows, I don't think. No, the pressure. That's a, that's a, a weak spot, isn't it? It must be, yeah. Unless down it's one of those little Titanic... Um, excavation submarines, you know, those little yellow ones with the arms. Yeah, they're tiny though, aren't they? Like they haven't got bedrooms though. No, <laughs> no, and a, a main seating area and a kitchen and stuff. Right. Um, I imagine if you spilled food on the floor, you wouldn't be getting a mop to clean it up. Either, <laughs> <would you? laughs> a wet wipe. <laughs> yeah. Ah, god damn it. Atlas goes up to it, curious. He runs his hand against the scratch, analysing it. Cora, is everything okay? Atlas. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just. A great white shark bumps its head against the window. <laughs> bumps. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't looking. <laughs> just look at his phone. Shaking the whole thing and startling Atlas. <sighs> he falls to the ground and backs up. <laughs> Cora. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Pointing out. <laughs> Cora, worried. Okay, okay, okay. Atlas covers Cora's mouth. Ooh. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, again. Shh. <laughs> she's still. She's still. <laughs> oh, God. She's still panting as Atlas tries to calm her down. Atlas whispering. Okay, Cora, listen. Remain calm. It's Tommy. <laughs> it's Tommy, isn't it? Remain calm. Um, I, I'm a little um, insulted that the only woman on the ship is painted as a hysterical wreck in yeah. the face of like, and the and she's following him around the submarine, you know. Yeah, he goes and checks the danger. She right. goes and cooks the food, and and he's got a hand. Yeah, he's got his hand on her mouth, going, "Calm down." Yeah, the man's gonna sort this out. Like, yeah, yeah. There's definitely a, a bit of a. Um, I wonder if this this script will pass the um, Bechdel Wallace test. <laughs> yeah, let's find out. 
He turns his head to see the shark staring at them. They slowly back up, but the shark bangs on the window once more. <laughs> like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> a bigger crack starts to form. He bangs on it again and again and again. Each one getting more and more angry. Each one. Each crack getting more and more angry. Then, the shark opens its mouth and sinks its teeth into the spherical glass. <laughs> Atlas, run. She remains shocked. Atlas continued, run. Cora <laughs> hears him, then starts to sprint the other way. The shark then bites open the glass completely open, <laughs> letting all of the ocean's water out <laughs> in it. All of it. <laughs> the entire ocean. Every last drop. <laughs> just like people on the beaches watching the sea just disappear. Where's, the, where's it gone? Ah, like fishing boats just stranded everywhere. <laughs> the alarm starts blaring and red lights succumb to the whole submarine. They finally succumb to it, these lights. Atlas springs towards the back too. He sees Cora in the engine room. Cora, come on! Atlas jumps into the engine room as Cora shuts the, t- the steel door. Atlas, worried. Yeah, that's a great white. No shit. Um, Netflix keeps trying to get me to watch The Meg. The Meg. Uh, that's Jason Statham, isn't it? It is, yeah. Every time I turn on Netflix, it's either that or something else that just plays the promo for me. No, I haven't, see- I haven't seen that. It's just, it's just like that. It's some, like, I guess it's like a megala... It's some, like, thought-extinct prehistoric monster great white uh, okay and it's they're in some underground sea station and it's the same thing there's just like this big thing just trying to bite the glass open it's <laughs> the big shark and there's probably only so much story you can build around that isn't there man I remember watching a movie as a kid with it was the same thing it was under water but it had like was it like most deaf the rapper in it <laughs> Again, wrestlers and rappers in a film, it's its not a great barometer for a good film, is it? Was it most deaf? Um, oh, there was a shark. I know there was a shark involved. Actually, plenty of Jim, Jim Jarmusch films have got um, Wu-Tang Clan dudes in and they're really good. I'll take that back. Open water. No, it was, wasn't it called like Deep Blue Sea? Was it most deaf? Deep Blue Sea. 1999. Sam Jackson's in it, and there was this. There was a sure it was most. LL Cool J's in it. LL Cool J, that's right. Ladies love Cool James. They do, yeah. <laughs> LL Cool J, that's right. Was it a good film, Stu? It was like one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was with you in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, not often enough to watch Deep Blue Sea or. I'm a good judge of films, but yeah, sense. I know, I know. <laughs> One ticket to Deep Blue Sea, please. <laughs> Best films ever: Deep Blue Sea and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. The water levels slowly rise in the room. I should think so. If the entire ocean's in there. Mm-hmm. Atlas. Okay. Okay. Cora, what do we do? Atlas. Hang on. Atlas starts sprinting around the room. <laughs> Just in circles. He's trying to find anything. 
Spitting by the room trying to find anything. Nice. Why not? <laughs> He's opening covers and drawers. Opening covers and drawers. Hmm. The alarm's still blaring. The shark is still crushing the door. It's totally crushing that. Oh, door. It's, it's in the uh, it's in the sub, and it yeah. swam down the, the alley. All right, okay. It's crushing the door. Sounds like it's he's like beating it on FIFA or something. Like. Yeah, crushed. Yeah, just you got crushed. Cora, what do we do? She's still panting as Atlas finds two breathing apparatuses. Abandon the vessel immediately, Atlas. All right, put these on. Cora still pants. Cora still pants. Is like a nickname. <laughs> Cora still pants. Still pants. <laughs> Cora still pants. Cora. Atlas, I'm scared. Atlas, I know you are. <laughs> he grabs onto her hand as they put the apparatuses on. Then. They climb the ladder to the top hatch as water levels rise even higher. They look at each other one last time and then open the hatch. External submarine continuous. Atlas and Cora swim out of the crashed submarine. They are quickly trying to escape together, but the shark swims up and rams Atlas and Cora. <laughs> it's a bit sexy. Separating them, Cora goes flying in one direction with her apparatus damaged. She's panting heavily and she's losing oxygen in her apparatus. Out of control, she goes straight towards a jagged rock. She stops her momentum on it and cuts her hand in the process, letting out small particles of blood in the water. The shark's gonna like the blood. I just wanna um, make note that um, at the bottom of the ocean, mm-hmm. the water column above exerts a pressure of 15,750 psi more than 1,071 times the standard atmospheric pressure at sea level how many more times? 1,071 times sea level pressure wow, that's quite a lot they would just pop the second that hatch opened right? yeah, yeah, absolutely that pressure and also they wouldn't be able to see anything it's mad, isn't it? Apart from like glowing right. in the dark, glowing the dark things. At this the pressure, the density of water is increased by nearly five percent. So there's four, five percent more water per water than at sea level because it's just all the pressure. That's mental. I wonder what would actually happen. You know, like I, I, I would like some scientists to explain in like quite a lot of detail exactly what would happen if you went swimming yeah. at that level. Yeah. <laughs> Your lungs you know, would just like everything would. Yeah, I don't know. It would be quite nasty. Mm. Yeah, okay. Go, Cora. She quickly tries to cover it up, but the shark appears behind her. She turns, panting, <laughs> Pan- she's panting underwater. <laughs> the shark slowly starts swimming towards her. He opens his massive jaw until Cora starts vigorously swimming upwards. She keeps going but sees nothing above her except being trapped by more water. Mm-hmm. Yep, go along with your theory there, Stu. Yeah. The shark bites onto her pants leg Uh-oh. and pulls her downwards. He's grabbing her pants. Yeah, not her foot. <laughs> I mean, this is shark's bit of hole in the submarine and you can just imagine his tiny little teeth just grabbing yeah. her pants. Like shaking it like a, like a little dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Get off! <laughs> 
the shark keeps sending her downwards into the darkness. She tries to pull away, but can't escape. Then, the shark bites off an entire bit of her... pants. <laughs> not foot, not leg. Entire bit of her pants. So the, the, the writer has not only painted her as a hysterical and weak woman, but he's now undressing her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Oh. Uh, this is definitely written by um, imagine it was written by some like alpha male or some like high profile politician like and that's how they see themselves I'm going to yeah. call myself Atlas Atlas you know, like, yeah Boris Johnson's written like novels and stuff with like spy novels and that hasn't he has <laughs> he yeah I need to google yeah, he's written actual novels it's meant to be absolutely horrific oh no uh, let me see Boris Johnson 72 virgins what He's written the book called 72 Virgins. What's that about? A Comedy of Errors. It's a 2004 novel by politician, journalist and current Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Really? 72 Virgins? Yeah. <laughs> wow, so it must be a suicide kind of thing, right? The, ple- the President of the United States plans to visit the Palace of Westminster. A Lebanese-born terrorist aims to assassinate him. Roger Barlow, a hapless bicycle-riding, tousle-haired MP, aims to foil the attack in order to distract from scandal involving his financial entanglement in a lingerie shop. No shop way. Named Eulalie. This is this is a real thing. This is uh, yes. the current current Prime Minister of the United Kingdom <laughs> has written himself into a terrible book. I think Saddam <laughs> used to write romance novels. Oh, really? And. Kim Jong Il, I think, was also a, a a novelist, maybe romance as well. Didn't Kim Jong Il like have loads of wild claims that he invented the hamburger and oh yeah, just discovered unicorns? He only played like... golf once, and when he did, he got a hole in one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was born. Yeah, in Korea, you're born like the most one of the most sacred places in the Koreas, especially for the north. Is this um, lake? I think oh, mm. a, there's a mountain, Mount, oh, I should know this. There's this mountain and this lake, I think. And anyway, it's like super holy or, you know, revered. And apparently he was born there. Like he was born at the, oh, okay. on the mountain. So he's extra, he was extra, sort of holy or whatever. I yeah. mean, obviously he, he was a monster and stuff, goes without saying. Um, but if you're, if you've got absolute power in a dictatorship like that, I mean, you've got to have fun with your legacy, haven't you? You know, I mean, fair play to saying like hamburgers are great. Yeah, I I invented that. Yeah, that's I'm responsible for hamburgers. Yeah, and unicorns. Yeah, they exist. I know where they are. Right, <laughs> Just... right. Yeah, I used to ride one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at riding them. Actually, you know, also I remember now in the middle of Pyongyang in North Korea, they have a uh, the, it's like the Arc de Triomphe. You know, in Paris, the Arc de Triomphe. Mm-hmm. They built one in Pyongyang, and it was something like 10% bigger in every dimension. Oh, God. So it's bigger, and they said the French copied their... (laughs) (laughs) If you see the same thing in Paris, that's because they liked ours, our ones, so much. They went and made their own 500 years ago. It's fascinating. I'd love to go to Pyongyang. I'd love to go and and visit. Would you go with, like, you know, there was a job for work and stuff. Would you would you take the risk? Yeah, of course. 
would you? Oh, a hundred percent. It's quite uh, difficult because you know everyone wants to go, so it's you know if the jobs come up there. It's um, they're quite sought after, and it's normally small teams. But yeah, I used to know someone um, who would go in a lot from China for wow for a cameraman. He'd go and do stories. You know, they cover the rocket launches and mass oh, games and things, and. He's like smitten with the place, like taken with the place. Like it's just, it gets his teeth into you. Like you don't. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to, I mean, you don't want to live it, but you want to go and view it, you know? Yeah, of course. You know, just pure curiosity, like the human mind, just, it's just curious about the place, isn't it? Right. And how people live and because you know so little. Um, I'm not sure if I was, if I had a similar job to yourself, Stu, I'm not sure I would, I would want to go, you know, it just, I've just heard too many stories about, you know, just tiptoeing into the wrong law yeah. and just being, like, snapped up or whatever or yeah. using Google and something I'm not supposed to or whatever, you know. That guy, Otto Wambia, I think his name was. Otto Wambia, Wambia, mm. American. I think he was over there. It was, like, a, a, a student exchange or maybe something religious. I don't know. But he was um, he was on the on his, in his hotel and he went to the wrong floor or something, Maybe intentionally, I don't know, but he took a poster from the wall. You know, he's seen this North oh, okay. Korean poster. Thought, oh, that's a great um, souvenir. So he takes it, and uh, yeah, they they take him when he's leaving. They sentence him to um, hard labor. They put him in oh. a labor camp, and he doesn't do well. And they only release him when he's like they can see he's not going to last. So they release him, and I think he dies, like, on the way back to the US, or when he just gets back to the oh, US. Yeah. fucking hell. Yeah. That, that's just horrific. Brutal. That's truly horrific. Right? That, those stories, that terrify me, because... <laughs> yeah. That curiosity of, like, oh, man, wouldn't it just be great to take that home, put it on my wall, and then... <laughs> no. It just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. No, no. Take only photos, leave only footprints, or something. Yeah, was yeah, it? Yeah. I can't even take photos. <laughs> no, just exactly. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh man, interesting stuff. Right, let's get back. Let's get back into it. Pulls it down by her pants leg. She starts screaming. Just must just sound like bubbles. I wonder what that sounds like, Stu. Here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. Just like that. Out of nowhere. An octopus comes and hides here from the shark. <laughs> it's like the Little Mermaid now. Yeah, it is. Okay, now. <laughs> Ariel. Cora's scared at first, but then she makes friends and they sing a song together. <laughs> sea witch. <laughs> Internal. Cora's quarters. Morning. Cora wakes up from the bed, still wearing a navy suit. She looks confused around her, wipes the sweat off her face. She turns to see a wedding picture of her and Atlas. Oh! As well as a mini stuffed octopus with a note saying, I know you're scared, but don't worry. I'll be here when you get home. I promise. Cora smiles at the note. External ship continuous. A giant navy ship cruises through the ocean on a sunny day. Fade out the end. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. What a fucking cop out. <laughs> I know. I, I hate that. You know. It's like you get to the end of something. I mean, that was a lot of, a lot of fun, that screenplay. I really enjoyed it. But 
just bang, 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 bang. Oh, yeah, it was a dream. I'm just like, oh, God. Right, you wanted a bit really? more meat. I know, it's a cop-out. But thanks very much, writer, for disappointing me so much. Who was it? <laughs> Did you say who it was? I don't think there was a name on that one. No. You know? No. Anonymous. Well, thanks anyway, man. Thanks, sea level threat. <laughs> I never thought I could find love with the cute girl in the sub. Turns out we were the only two people that were on board. There was a giant monster got in the way of Cupid. The girl, she didn't like me. She said my name was stupid. Okay, I have a script. I have a script in front of me. You certainly do. <laughs> and what is it called? Oh, I love it. Alien Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Alien Hospital by Brad W. Harris. It sounds like a mobile game, doesn't it? Alien Hospital. I love it. I recite Rick that Rick and Morty episode. Remember that oh, yeah, like yeah, interdimensional cable? Or so it goes, oh, he goes like God. to the doctor. He goes, ah, I'm in an alien hospital. For me, that is to you. It's just a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> that um, interdimensional cable where it, he's literally just making stuff up on mic and then they're animating it. Yeah, that's just fantastic, isn't it? You put so the squeege good. gore into the the plumbus and <laughs> twist it until you. <laughs> These two, two two brothers and and the brothers are. Uh, the brothers got friends, and they're, fr- they're friend- friends with the brothers. <laughs> and it's just animating everything yeah. saying. It's so great, funny. isn't it? I think I just read they're commissioning another. Oh, no, it's been commissioned, like, forever. But they're working on season seven? Does that sound right? Uh, I think there's only four, you know. So I think it might be five. Or maybe they just commissioned it to seven. Dan, Justin Rowland, sorry, has got a new... Um, TV show out, hasn't he? A new animated TV program. He said it's not quite as um, dark as Rick and Morty. Right. But he's quite proud of it nonetheless. Nice. Uh, what's it called? It sounds good. It's called Solar Opposites. Definitely going to watch it. Oh, nice. Oh, brilliant. Check it out. Yeah, you think. check it out. Right, Alien Hospital. Ready? Alien Hospital. I was born ready. Internal Hospital, the patient room. Day. Robert Hasting... 35, brown hair, brown eyes with a friar tuck hairstyle. <laughs> think that's necessary or do you think that's going to come back later and it's going to be relevant? It's one of those hairstyles that's never going to come back. <laughs> friar tuck. I know, right? Um, sits in his hospital bed. He wears a dark green hospital gown and is reading a science fiction novel. The novel sports the image of a flying saucer on the cover. His family stands around him. With him are his wife, early 30s, and his daughter, aged 11. At the head of his bed, there are many different coloured balloons embroidered with get well soon. Embroidered balloons. Right? He's a well-liked man who all his friends want him to get better. Um, there is the sound of a news report coming through the television, but it's muffled in the background. 
The curtains are drawn to eliminate a lot of the bright sunlight from coming into the room. Robert's wife is reading a medical magazine. <laughs> Modern proctologist. <laughs> wife, are you sure about this procedure? Robert closes his book and looks at his wife, who's staring back at him with a concerned look on her face. Relax, babe. The dog... No, he doesn't say <laughs> Relax. <laughs> the doctors, how bad can it be? Um, but what if something goes wrong, says the wife. Now, Dr. Foray, early 50s, grey hair, enters the room. Mr. Hastings? Yeah. Hi, I'm Dr. Foray. How are you feeling? Yeah, I could be better. <laughs> I bet you could, yep. You know, you're very fortunate to have come to us when you did. So is he choosing to have this operation? By the sound of his wife, it sounds like he's it's something he's chosen to do. Well, it doesn't sound like it's an emergency if they've had time to get balloons, you know. I wonder if he's having some sort of experimental cosmetic surgery or something. Just like him. No, so Jerry has his, like, has to give up his penis. What's that? In Rick and Morty, where he has to give up his penis. I can't remember that. Because it, it'll save, like, the life of the... The galaxy's most oh. beloved civil rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh God, that character Jerry. Fucking hell. <clears throat> uh, I was just thinking if he's choosing this like, weird procedure, maybe he's he's getting transformed into like you know that that weird lion man or something. Yes, Dragon <laughs> Man. It's Dragon Man. It's like a lion one as well, isn't it? And they just look like dead, sweaty, and shiny. <laughs> Where's that? Google uh, cosmetic surgery lion man. No, oh, oh, god! Like it, with all the tattoos and the. Doesn't look like a lion, unfortunately. Lion man. What like? What do I have to type? Lion man surgery. Cosmetic surgery lion. Oh man. fuck! <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you. Oh, he's got little claws. Look I at him. Maybe that's what he's getting done. <laughs> <laughs> oh god there's no going back from that is there there's Dennis no, Avner aka the cat man rip oh he's no longer with us okay that doesn't mean we can't still That's make fun of him god that just makes me we make, just makes me feel bad about it now how do you think he tied oh god heart attack hairball <laughs> oh god <laughs> fucking hell <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Look at his own asshole. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to hell, you know. If I believed in it, I'd believe you. Um, isn't there's got to be like a snake, a snake man? I've seen someone who had their tongue sliced down the middle as well, so they could. I've seen that. Well, yeah, like yeah. They could go, you know. I mean, just why though? <laughs> you know, why? Wow. Why bother? Yeah, it's got to be, I mean, I mean, like, there's a lot of reasons, I'm sure. No, there isn't. There's no reason for that. Oh, brilliant. All right. Um, I think Robert could be getting that done. Let's find out. Um, I bet you could. Robert nods while the doctor speaks to him. <laughs> hey, uh, Robert, with your rare condition, no other hospital in the country would have the tools to treat your condition. The tools. Mm. Be lucky we caught it when we did. 
Can't lose with the two she used. Can't lose the two she used. Robert, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this new rare condition. I've never heard of it before. Well, that's what makes it new, says Dr. Foray. Lion man. Lion man. Hey, little lion man. Think of it like <laughs> mad cow disease. Oh. Except that we can get rid of it a lot easier. Are you ready to go into surgery now? Wait there. You can't get rid of the mad cow disease with surgery. As <laughs> you go with it to get the others removed. <laughs> it's a disease. Oh, my God. It's in the name. It's a disease. Right. It's Yeah. So it's like mad cow disease. It's a lot easier to get rid of. But we're the only hospital that can do it. And let's, get, let's do it with surgery. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Robert is he says, ready? He's, yes, he is ready. Yes. <laughs> the, don't, don't do it, Robert. <sighs> the doctor waves his hand towards the window. And two nurses come in from the hallway to roll Robert out of the hospital room. Okay. Like a giant atmosphere, like on gladiators or something. He's <laughs> getting rolled out of the hospital. A gyro, yeah. <laughs> um, we're in the hallway. The nurses and the doctor roll Robert down the hallway. <laughs> it's an hamster ball. <laughs> like a sausage. <laughs> yeah. Keeps going off to one side. They have to straighten him up. Yeah. As Robert is being rolled down the hallway, he looks left. And he notices a mirror on the wall next to the receptionist's desk. They roll just a little ways to two big double doors. Next to the door, there is a window and a sign next to the door. Hmm. That reads operating room. Okay, could have just put he goes down to the operating room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it's sausage roll room. <laughs> the sausage roll. Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's is for That's plebs. the procedure. Yeah. Says yeah. is for plays. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Robert is rolled into the operating room. <laughs> uh, uh, in, the, in the operating room, the nurses stop him in the centre of the room with a foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Above Robert, there are two giant lights that shine down upon him. He's in an oven. <laughs> <laughs> the light egg wash. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Golden brown. That's why this is the only hospital I can do. This. Yeah, I've seen that Michelin Web um, uh, skit where they are the the egg wash. Sorry. Oh god. <laughs> that Michelin Web skit where they're in uh, the, they're like a uh, vets and they get like the nurse goes, "Sir, we've got an emergency," and they like open the doors and like this pheasant comes in. They're like, "Oh god." I don't know, let's work on it. And the, the film crew's filming them. And they're like, uh, we're going to try a traditional salve of olive oil on the feathers and some garlic and maybe <laughs> uh, maybe some sage. Uh, we'll, we'll see. And they oh, it's too late. Uh, not gonna. They're both like, oh. Mm. <laughs> no, no, in, way. no intention of saving it. They just want to eat it. That's uh, great. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. That sounds boss. <laughs> Uh, ba, 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 ba. The nurses stop in the cellar room. One of, the nurses. One of the nurses walks off and returns with an anaesthetic tank hooked up to a plastic mask set. Jeez. Jesus. She, Jesus Christ. She hands the mask to the doctor, 
who's just placed a mask over his nose and mouth, as well as a surgical cap. Okay. Dr. Foray. We're going to start the anesthesia. Robert nods as the doctor places the mask over Robert's face. Have you ever have you ever been in surgery? Um, when I was very very young, yeah. Have you? Do you remember it? No, not particularly. I've got like some weird sort of. I was only five years old. Got some weird vague flashes of memory, but it's it's not reliable enough. No, I've had it. I've had a couple of times, right? And I had mm. about a year or so ago. I had to have my appendix out. Oh shit! I'm like at home. She goes, go to the go to the hospital. If you're that worried about it, I was like, oh, yeah, well, convincing myself from Google, Dr. Google, that it's the append. Oh, no, WebMD. Yeah, yeah. I got in and they were like, oh, God, thank God you came in. Your appendix is about to burst. I was like, yes, <laughs> see? No way. Take that, yeah. internet. <laughs> is that what did you self-diagnose yourself as that? Yeah, I mean, they say if you get the pain in the middle or something, but then the, the real key is if it starts, like, moving to the left. Or something like that. Look it up. <laughs> um, no way. Uh, listener. But no, it's if it moved, and it moved, so I was like, oh, God. So I went in and they said, yeah, appendix. Like, it hasn't ruptured, so this will be a nice clean. Uh, anyway. Oh, shit. The, the, the anesthetic, it, it's, and I've had it a couple of times, but they, you breathe that gas, and they go count 10, 9, uh, you know, and you've gone. <laughs> There's not even the illusion of time passing. Like oh, really? it's it's like eyes closed, eyes open. I think it's the closest thing to being dead that you can. And I Whoa. think it, it it might be like a, a borderline thing, like between being alive and dead. That's why anesthesiast um, uh, anesthesiast. What is it? Anesthetist. That's why anesthetists are so like skilled. It's like they've they're yeah. constantly monitoring this like fine line between making you two asleep <laughs> it's an unbelievable skill right. I, I do think they're very underrated by, right. by a general layman you know including myself right they're, 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 they're like elite level sort of operating at an insane level these guys and, and everyone's different like different oh, yeah. you know systems and whatever but no I remember getting knocked out and it was like that and you're just coming to a groggy going huh is, oh, when no. are we doing the surgery they're like okay it's like four hours later <laughs> Oh shit! You just imagine you've been laid out like an alien on a slab. Yeah, you know, getting the aspirator removed. <laughs> <laughs> right? Is that what you thought it was? That's what I thought it was. Yeah. And oh I, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I vaguely remember you telling me about that. Now, what happened at the time? What was the pain like before you went in? Was was it like unbearable? No, it was like. Um, I don't know. It was like it was just a sharp pain, like four out of ten, five out of ten. All oh, right, so not not no not insane. It wasn't like a one where you go, oh, I just I just ate something bad or whatever. But it was, it was like mm. a force that was like, oh, this is, and you can't move to make it better. It was eh. oh, this. This is different, and it's definitely not normal sort of but thing. But the appendix, I later learned, and well, mm. I didn't learn then. I I'd heard about it before. The appendix is thought to be a uh, what's it called a vest vestial organ. Is that the right term? Probably not. It's an organ that they think was um, useless, right? Yeah. So it's a leftover thing from when we used to eat plants or whatever. Completely wrong. They now know, like pretty convincingly, that 
your your gut bacteria right it's so mm. important so important like it control your mood it can control your your your, yeah. your whole body your your gut bacteria and when you have like a full uh, sickness right and you get this isn't very funny i've just realized when you get when you get like really sick um and you and maybe you take the antibiotics or whatever you know when you you lose all your gut bacteria the appendix repopulates your gut it's like a little store all that bacteria that you got from your mother when you were young all that life of oh i can eat anything i've got a great um immune system all stored in the appendix right all those lessons learned and then they just whipped it out (laughs) yeah i wonder why it's so common for it to like need to be removed or if it's coming to base or whatever because it's it's I, I, you're about the third or fourth person that I know around our age that's had it removed. Really? Yeah. And if you if you lived a hundred, two hundred years ago, it would kill you if it ruptured. Oh yeah, it yeah, would. Yeah. Like imagine the amount of people who used to die from their appendix is bursting or whatever. You know? Yeah, that's fascinating though, Stu. You completely. You said it's not funny, but it's definitely um, educated me. We look to uh, entertain and inform, right? That's it. There you go. And people, <laughs> people listen to this podcast to learn stuff, don't they? I think that's why most of them are here. Maybe we need to put ourselves in a different category. <laughs> yeah. Education in current affairs. <laughs> With a mirror cast. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Robert is uh, being knocked out. Okay. Um, in the hospital operating room three hours later... As Robert wakes up, he notices alien hospital staff. Here, Here we, we go. go. Here, we, Here go. we go. Oh, yeah, it's an alien hospital, isn't it? Yeah. Alien now. hospital staff. The operating room staff are now very greyish, wrinkled-looking alien-like creatures with huge heads. <laughs> Classic alien. Classic. Robert struggles to break free as the nurses hold him down. On his chest, there is a stitched-up line, ooh, going right down the centre of his chest. As He's lucky they're not, like, xenomorph aliens, though, isn't he? <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, That'd be quite a lot worse than being, like, wrinkly grey dudes. You don't know what that means? No. It's, it's the, the general term for, uh, you know, aliens and alien. The, the acid, acid spitting. <laughs> what? head. Geiger, HR Geiger, dudes. You know, Alien film. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Teeth you... and tentacles and... There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should have just said teeth and tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they come at night. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> they mostly come at night. Mostly. mostly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, he's lucky. They sound like nice like... aliens. <laughs> as Robert breaks free, he makes a dash for the door, but stops as Dr. Fournay speaks. Where do you think you're going, Robert? Now, come on, shoot. That's not an alien voice. Come, Robert. That's definitely an alien Robert. <laughs> Robert looks back at the alien looking doctor with a very confused Oh man, you, can, you can't do that for the rest of it. I'm sorry. There was a whole hospital full of us. 
Is there a lot more dialogue? <laughs> I think so. Well, it's not that much. Okay. Um, Robert stops to ponder for a moment and then decides to go ahead and he rushes out of the door. In the hospital hallway, as Robert pushes his way out of the doors of the operating room, he looks around and notices that everyone else in the hospital, they're aliens as well. What? There are receptionists behind the reception desk. There are security guards walking the hallways. There are people with little children standing at the reception desk. All aliens. <laughs> Robert looks surprised. He suddenly leans over, holding his stomach. Ooh. He hears everyone laughing at him. <laughs> Not a very nice hospital. Without realising it, he starts to laugh hysterically. Robert looks down at his hands and he sees that they've turned grey. Robert looks into the mirror next to the reception desk that was referenced earlier and sees that he's changed into an alien himself. He drops to his knees and screams. (laughs) (coughs) This has gone a little bit um, out of limits, hasn't it, this one? Internal hospital, patient room, day. Suddenly, Robert raises up from his bed in a scream. He looks at his arms and inside his gown and his chest. He looks around at the family that's present at his bedside. Just then, the doctor comes in. This could have been a dream. It's going to be another dream. Mr. Hastings, says Dr. Foray. Yes, and, and uh, you, you're Dr. Foray. That's right. You know, you're lucky you came to us when you did. Uh, Robert gets out of bed and grabs his wife's hand. Come on, we're leaving. I suddenly don't feel comfortable here anymore. I want to go to a different hospital. Robert grabs his daughter's hand as well and they make their way out of the door. As they leave the room, Robert looks back into the room and hears the audio of the news broadcast on the television. News reporter, flying saucers have just destroyed the White House. (laughs) Ah, The broadcast continues, but becomes gradually more muffled, fade out the end. (laughs) I love that that would be what the news reporter says. Yeah, yeah. Flying saucers. Ah, yeah, yeah. With highs of 30 Celsius. Back to you, Lorne. Flying saucers have just destroyed the White House. Thanks, Jane. Flying saucers have just destroyed the White House. That's great. That was great. That was funny. So it was, a, it was in a... He went to a hospital. He had a dream that he had the surgery and then he woke up and he was normal again and he was like, nope, and left. But Earth was being invaded by aliens at the time and he was reading a book with flying saucers on at the start he was so the, the clues are there maybe he's he's definitely got like a um, propensity to think of that aliens are there like you know some people are just ready for things aren't they yeah um, oh, maybe yeah. he's got that in his mind maybe he's he's sort of spotted something you know along the way you know when you watch these dead and brown programs um, and he'd take like uh, whoever he's trying to convince of something on a, a, a taxi journey 
and then sit them down and then talk them through bits and bobs. But then he's planted things on the taxi journey. It's great, isn't way, it? And they've seen them and he pulls them out of their subconscious. Maybe it's it's something like that where he sort of half knew that that was going to happen or whatever. I don't know. Have you just done that to me without me realising it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that clever, Stu. Just fancy a really cold beer. Just... <laughs> Drink a Coca-Cola. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's like, um, yeah, it's so clever, isn't it? That that Justin Willman on Netflix has a show called Magic for Humans. He does the same thing there. He's, but he shows you. He's like talking to someone in the street, just doing his spiel. But he's saying things like, you know, seven. But he keeps saying like the number seven in different ways or so, you know. Hmm referencing he's like pick a number from one to ten they're like okay i've got one you're like i know what it is before you knew it what it was they're like seven oh, shit. how did you know that because <laughs> i told you to think it yeah that's really clever all that stuff isn't it oh, but it's like, so clever so manipulative as well isn't it yeah yeah <laughs> i'll watch that is it good it's great it does it fascinates me things like that like when you realize oh you know, the, the, the human subconscious and we're all just going about doing our thing and then there's people who know more about it and you think, wow, I mean, could you could you learn that stuff or could it be useful? I, I don't know. Yeah, I bet it would make, like, going through life a breeze, you know, <laughs> convincing people to give you a table in a restaurant or, uh, you know, dealing yeah, with the local council or something. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, sir, we will come back and collect your bins. <laughs> You know, absolutely, man. Um, Very good, good choice. Alien Hospital. I never thought about the aliens, they made me feel small. Never thought about invaders of this planet at all. Giant round heads and weird, funny eyes. I hope they don't insert a probe in my backside. No! Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 